0: Do you love coffee? Well, that is an episode for you. So I interviewed the amazing Christina Scocchia, CEO of Illy Cafe. And Christina shared with me a lot of interesting lessons and that could be applied by any leaders out there. But primarily we focus on three things. The importance of going through a turnaround process with the right level of risk and courage. Second, the importance of responsibility, ethics, and integrity as a leader. And finally, why commitment is so important to drive results? Stay with me because that is an amazing episode, I can guarantee. So stay with me, Christina. You'll love it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the World Class Leader Show. In today's episode, by the way, is an episode that I've been waiting for months to record it just because I know how busy is our guest today, but I'm very proud of having with us today Cristina Skocchia, the CEO of Ili Cafe. So, Cristina, good morning.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thanks for the invite.
0: Well, that's that's amazing. So, just to for those people that don't know much yet, Cristina, so Cristina, after graduating with full marks in management of international firms in Italy, completed a PhD in business administration in University of Torino, and she started her career in Procter & Gamble, where since 97 she held positions of increasing responsibility, working on mature and emerging markets, until she was appointed in 2012 as cosmetics international operations division leader, with the responsibility of supervising the brands in her portfolio in over 70 countries throughout the world. From 14 to 17, she served as the chief executive office of L'Oréal Italy, and she led the return to growth of the company in a challenging economic environment. From July 2017 to December 2021, she acted as well as Chief Executive Officer of Kiko, a leading makeup company that she has led to a successful turnaround thanks to a business plan based on product innovation, digital transformation, and geographical expansion. And then most importantly, since January 2022, she's the Chief Executive Officer of Illy Cafe. So for those people in the audience that love coffee, I'm sure that you heard about Ili, and I'm sure that you drank a, a very good cup of coffee somewhere in the world because Ili such a, has a global footprint. She was a speaker, a lecturer in many national international conventions and conferences related to enterprise development, leadership, diversity, and sustainability. She's also a member of board of directors of Silor one of my clients, and Fincantieri, which is also chairman of the nomination committee. So Christina, that's this profile. I mean, how do you feel about just someone else reading your story?
1: <laughs> you, you, read, you read my story very well. I couldn't summarize it better. Uh, I have to say my story began uh, several years ago at Bukori. I was a young student and one day there was a career day and there was Prothering Gamble uh, talking back then. And I don't want to go to this presentation. I said, okay, you know, I don't care. I'm not looking for a job now. I have still three years of university to go. My friend of mine really wanted to go, so I accompanied her. And I got in love with this uh, beautiful company talking about meritocracy, talent, diversity, inclusion. And therefore, I brought a CV back then and I sent it to Procter. And after a long selection process, I got a stage, an internship, and I was supposed to stay there only for three months. And I ended up staying at PNG for 16 years. And the best part of it is that I started the, the internship when I had still three years of university ahead of me, but they allowed me to study and work at the same time, which was nice. really important to me. So for three years I was working in Roma from nine o'clock in the morning up to 10, 11 o'clock in the evening because we didn't have iPhones. We didn't even have the Blackberry in ASL and, and then I was running back home and study until three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. So it was very intense but it was the turning point of my career because then I ended up three years later with my university study, I, I got graduated and at the same time I got promoted to PNG and I was transferred to Geneva where I was uh, responsible for uh, all Europe first, then I the role and then little by little I had the chance to work in several different environments and I have to say I owe a lot to PNG because they took me as a young student and uh, they knew me as a manager, to the type of
0: manager I am today, and it's interesting because one of my best mentors in my in my life actually, he had a very similar um, career progression like yours, and he started as well in Procter Gamble. and Gamble. The one thing that I remember saying is, Procter and Gamble is one of the best companies to start or to join as a as a new graduate, et cetera, because it's such a lesson. That you learn for business for life, so it sounds like it's a game changer. So it sounds like Procter and Gamble was a pivotal experience for you. Then I think as design your next steps, right, as a CEO. I have
1: to say yes, it was a pivotal experience for me as a person, not only as a manager, because again they gave me the chance to realize my dreams. I come from a very normal family; my parents were teachers. I was born in a very small village in uh, close to Sanremo, so a beautiful place but not a big city yes. full of opportunities. And I was born uh, as a young woman, which, which is not the easiest want to do a career in management. But thanks to Proctor, I got the opportunity to realize my dream. They, they gave me the American dream, so let's put it this way. They, they allowed me to realize my personal more professional goals They taught me, you know, when I joined PNG, I didn't even speak English because, you know, I was very basic in my my English. So they paid English lessons for me, then they paid French lessons for me when I moved to Geneva. Then they taught me about marketing, sales, finance. They grew me in the type of manager I am today. And they allowed me to really think that if you work hard and if you really give your best, you can realize your goals. And this
0: is uh, something that transformed, my, transformed myself, not only as a manager, but as a person. Yeah. And, and by the way, so I love that. And it's really like, it sounds like it's been a, such an educational experience for you. It, that's, I think, is what any great company does, is building a legacy for us for becoming someone else, and some, someone better, I would say, rather than someone else. So mm-hmm. that's amazing. Then, you know, if we move a little bit forward, you know, in in your experience. Then you started with a CEO, you know, in um, primarily, you know, in the cosmetic industry, you stay there. um, But it sounds like you've been primarily involved in turnaround things, which is, you know, it's complicated. I have a client right now that is involved in turnaround and it's tough. It's difficult. People lose motivation. They see, you know, the bad things happening. They really challenge to see the light at the end of the tunnel. How has been leading for the first time or for the first experiences as a CEO organization during turnaround?
1: Uh, it's a very challenging experience. It happened by chance. L'Oreal uh, uh, was looking for a CEO for the Italian subsidiary, and after a quite long uh, selection process, they ended up, uh, offer, end up offering me the job of uh, um, CEO of L'Oreal Italy. And uh, the subsidiary really needed the turnaround because it was declining in top line and bottom line since several years. And as you said, the, the motivation of the, the people in the organization was not in really the And so I said, okay, that's a great challenge. It was an opportunity for me to become for the first time as CEO. It was the opportunity to come back to Italy because after 13 years abroad, I really wanted to come back to my country and contribute uh, to the development of uh, an Italian company, and L'Oréal is a French company, but Italian subsidiary this part of, uh, of Italy. And so I took this challenge as a great opportunity, and I discovered that this is really my passion. I, I found myself really Uh, well in this challenging environment because you have the opportunity to design the vision, decide where you want to drive the company and you have the opportunity to build a new, stronger team and then together with your team you can achieve all the steps that are needed to really turn around the company business-wise. And after this uh, experience at at, L'Oreal that lasted for four years, I said, OK, I didn't turn around in a company which is a subsidiary, very important subsidiary by subsidiary. Uh, maybe it's time for me to stop being a co-pilot. I want to become a pilot. So yeah. I want to become the leader of an entire company, which is more than a sign, but, uh, but really an entire company. So this is where this is the moment in which I decided to um, try Become a full-fledged CEO. I moved to Kiko, and of course, Kiko has a smaller size compared to to Lorraine, but Kiko was an entire company. So, for the first time, I had the challenge of doing the turnaround, not in a subsidiary, but managing the entire company. It it was fascinating because, again, the receipt was the same. You need to decide where you want to go. You need to build a the strong team. And then you need to behave like muscateers, so once for all and all for one, you know, because when you are in a challenging environment, you really need to be a cohesive team. And with this team, we, uh, we were able really to turn around the company, to conquer the market, to expand the retail network, to, to turn around the profitability. And it's, uh, it's um, tough. Uh, it's intense, but it's very rewarding. And when yeah. you see a company that was struggling, or when you see an organization that was struggling, that
0: comes back to growth. Yeah, that's because it's when it when it works properly is such it's, it, it, it has such a big impact on people on on the organization itself. So the rewarding is is, is very high. So I understand that. And it sounds like you have approached any turnaround with the right mindset, with our right attitude to make things better and not getting too much stuck into the weeds, how we say in English, right? So into the tactical elements of turnaround that could lead actually to be more into a crisis mindset rather than seeing you know a more strategic view for the future. So let's jump a little bit to the future, which is. Illy cafe right so first of all for the audience i'm strongly biased because i love mm-hmm. Illy. so for me it's uh, it's really something that is a, is a brand but also is the quality of the organization and the product that is amazing so what has been you know in the first that is more than a year now that you are in the role as far as i understand right
1: year so all
0: right so i'm curious about two things so one is let's start with this what has been your focus in the first six months? Because many CEOs have a different approach for the first traditional six months. Do you have a specific objective to achieve or you went a little bit with the flow trying to understand what, what was the right area to make an impact or you were a little bit more prepared on that?
1: Look, I, I was uh, quite lucky because before becoming CEO, the CEO of Ealing Coffee, I was part of the board of directors. Andrea, he asked me to join the board of directors uh, three years before, and so I knew the company. It was a different perspective because when you see the board of directors, you have got a different perspective, you have different executive, but I quite knew the the company and the organization. So I spent the first six months trying to understand. Um, the vision again, trying to understand the five years plan. For me, it's very important when I join a new organization or when I start managing a new brand, to understand what is the legacy i want to leave behind. Mm. So I always ask myself, okay, first I need to understand the status quo. I need to understand the starting point. Where is the company now? Uh, Where is the company now versus the competition versus uh, the market standards? And then I want to understand where I want the company to be five years down the road. So do we want to open more markets, do we want to open more channels, do we want to improve the organization, do we want to change the communication and brand uh, uh, identity? And I think this is very important um, because, you know, if, if you want to be a good skipper, you need to know where you want to go, all right. And so basically, uh, I spent the first six months doing that, doing the five years plan and also starting to change the people. I think that when you okay. join a new brand new company, you always find very strong people. People mm. that are contributing a lot to the company, but you also find people that, for whatever reason, are not fitting anymore the vision you are developing, are not really providing that type of uh, competences, experiences, and so you need to strike the right balance between bringing people with different perspectives and with fresh eyes, and nurturing what you find, and during the first six months, I think this is the best period in which you can say, okay, what is my dream team, who I want to keep, and who uh, I want to change, because it's always important to strike the right balance between the two components.
0: And it's interesting because to me, a couple of observations from what you said. So one is being part of the board of directors has been incredible accelerator for you to understand better how you can make an impact in the organization, which is, I think, massive, especially for those people that are becoming a CEO, but they're coming from a different context. It takes longer to have the proper assessment and yeah. understanding about the business. That It sounds like that really helped you um, for the first months. And the second thing is, you got the courage and the ability to decide quite quickly, you know, what, you know, what is the dream team that you want to have? And sometimes I have to say, so having worked with many CEOs, sometimes some CEOs, they procrastinate a lot, that decision. They tend to wait too long in order to make those changes, but because, you know, they have generally good faith about people. They they think that, you know, they can do it, they can do it. But sometimes, you know, they realize that you would probably need another type of, People around you, which is great, I think, for, for being successful. So, Christine, I'm very curious. This is a question asked to any CEO in my podcast. What is this aspirational future that you are building for Ili Cafe? I mean, it's a coffee, clearly, right? But I'm sure there is more than a coffee. So, what is the legacy that you want to leave? Imagine in three, five years' time where people can say, Christina made an incredible impact to Ili Cafe.
1: Look, the objective of this mission is to list the company. The, the reason why I decided to uh, join Illy Coffee is because they really wanted to become uh, a listed company, and uh, an IPO is something I never managed in my life, and it's quite okay. intriguing as an experience because you, you you take a company which is a beautiful jewel. Yes. And you need to increase the level of sophistication, the level of uh, strategic thinking, the level of uh, executional discipline in order to be ready for an IPO. And yeah. when Because you the become... requirements
0: are completely different, so you yeah. need to be ready for that.
1: Exactly. When, when you are a business company, you play in a different uh, tier. And therefore, there is a beautiful challenge of uh, bringing up the best of the company, the organization, in order to achieve
0: the well, that's, that's brilliant. So what is one thing that you can potentially say that is going to make a huge impact for you to get there? So what is one area that you're focusing on right now that can facilitate or accelerate that, you know, that, the opportunity to get listed in, a, in the earliest ah. time possible?
1: Yeah, I think that the starting point is always the organization. You need to have a world-class organization. Mm-hmm. You need to have people at every level of the organization and in every function that are the leaders, are really uh, able to give their best for the company to, to succeed. So for me, the starting point is always to select the right people Um, and make sure that uh, people can work well together, giving their very best to achieve a common objective. And it's important uh, to explain to the people that we are not here to achieve our own individual success. We are here to achieve a common goal because common goals, common success is more important than individual success. We need to roll all in the same direction if we want to achieve the same objective. And this is not important you know, in this way, you you, you you accelerate the listing of the company, of course, but you also enjoy more the time you spend working. Because at the end of the day, we really spend long hours in the office. Mm. We don't want to spend long hours with people fighting against each other, with people trying to emerge and to um, show that they are in the best of the best. We want to live in a nice environment where people are generous, uh, transparent, uh, honest if you will and i think that as a ceo you have a role in selecting the best talent but also in explaining to them the type of culture and behaviors you want them to have as a unique team
0: yeah and speaking about culture i mean it's um, i mean it's everyone talks about culture and i do believe culture is the is definitely the the best catalyst for growth. There's no way, at least in my personal opinion, based on my experience, culture is really a catalyst for growth in an organization. What is one element of the culture that you really want, or you're already building for Italy, that you really want to see more in the future? In other words, what is one behavior or a set of behaviors that you're really interested to see in Ily Cafe moving forward? I think it's leadership.
1: And uh, for me, uh... I always tell my people, leadership doesn't mean power. Leadership means responsibility. If you are a leader, a leader of a function, a leader of a team, a leader of a country, a leader of a company, you need to show responsibility. You have got the responsibility to achieve business results, of course, but you have got more. You have got the responsibility to combine the economical and financial results with the social commitments, with the environmental commitments. You need to be a role model in terms of ethical behaviors. So you really need to leverage the company to achieve something which is more important than profit. And I think this is something that, honestly, we are doing here at uh, E Coffee. So what we are doing here is, yes, we want to list the company. So financial results, uh, economical performance is important. But at the same time, we invest a lot of time and a lot of resources in social and environmental responsibilities. And we try to be ethical in whatever decision we take. It's not always easy, but I think this is the right uh, choice. And
0: this is what I asked my team when I was at Kiko. This is what I am asking now to my team when when I'm the the, the CEO. Yeah, I love that, by the way. So I love that you are focused on people taking leadership. That means taking responsibility. And I suppose that means, which is implied, is be person of integrity. So it's taking the responsibility and honor the commitment that make things happen because that's that is important right
1: yeah and i want to be complete because i'm not a philosopher and i want to i don't want to look like a philosopher when i was uh, at kiko i had uh, uh, to face covid you know it was uh, march 2020 we all remember the first patient in uh, Belgium? also where the orders of kiko uh, were back then and honestly you need to make make concrete uh, choices. So leadership responsibilities are not big words, Uh, you know. um, I remember back then we decided to close all the stores, even before it was mandatory by law, because we realized that it was something bigger than a flu. So we closed all the stores, 1,000 stores worldwide, because we thought it was not safe for our employees and for people to be a source. Mm. And then I decided also to shut down e-commerce. And people were looking at me like, are you crazy? E-commerce is the only channel that you know, we have got. It's the only revenue stream and profit stream. Why are you shutting down e-commerce? And my answer was very simple because I was not sure that all the employees had enough masks and gloves to be protected. And they said, I don't want anyone to become sick and potentially die because they're packing lipstick and cheap lipstick and deliver lipsticks at home. Because as much as I love cosmetics, because they are my brother and butter, I do not want anyone to risk health and life because of a lipstick or because of the cream. Right. And so for so one full month, we decided to even close e commerce to make sure that everyone could come back only after one month with all the protection and the safety needed in order for them to ship and deliver our products without putting themselves and their uh, relatives in any risky situation. So for me, this is a concrete example. Now I can give another example in the coffee, which is less dramatic, because we are not in such a dramatic situation. But for example, last year we had an increase of 17% of the raw material costs. Mm, so, how do you you are managing a company and you start having the war in Ukraine, you start having inflation, you start having the green coffee skyrocketing, and you ended up, um, you know, I, I remember ending up March last year with plus 17% in costs. And then you have to decide, do I want to pass the 17% all the way down to consumers? Do I want to reflect and ask them to pay for this huge inflation of their material costs, or do I want to take responsibilities? And again, we decided to do plus 3% price increase last year, plus 3% price increase this year. So we pass on to consumers only one-third of the price increase we had, and we absorbed two-thirds which was not an easy decision. But again, if you want to be ethical in your decision, you need to be concrete in what you do. So leadership, ethical behaviors are not really a nice sentence. They need to I be love- translated in actions.
0: Yeah, I love that. that that's that's great. It's actually it's translating core values of the organization and of the leaders into practical and specific behaviors that consistently are taken from people and by people. So. I love that. By the way, I didn't know the story of Kiko, which is very interesting because he, I think he speaks highly about the decision that you made, based on the, the you know the the reason that it's behind what maybe people don't, didn't know about it. So that's yeah. that's great, um, Christina. So you mentioned few challenges, but if we if we consider what potentially keep you at night, right, uh, as a CEO right now, what are the things you know there are they are worrying you more and mostly of course, you know, based on what you can say, but something that it's important for the audience to realize and say, oh, that's something that I'm feeling too, right? So that's something as a CEO I'm feeling too, or maybe something I, I didn't think about that could be a challenge for me. So what are your challenges at the moment?
1: So first of all, I sleep very, very well at night because I'm confident about my team and I have to say when you build a team and you, you trust, then you can sleep quite, quite well. But there are some challenges that, of course, I need to keep very clear in mind. First, I want to risk um, uh, the company, you know, if you want to be a risky company, you need to make sure that your risk profile is very low, otherwise you are not appealing to potential investors. So basically we are very strong in Italy now, Italy is 30% of our revenues, one-third approximately. Uh, I think it's very important for us to improve the geographical footprint, which means uh, we need to double the US. US now is only 15%, and needs to double, because we need to have a second stronghold as big as Italy in order to the risk yeah. in the company we need to still change the performance of the different European countries because it's important not to have fragmented performance but to have several countries that are performing very well and several countries that are big enough and solid enough in their growth path in order for you to be balanced from and healthy from a geographical uh, standpoint. Yeah. Then I want also to make sure that we keep on elevating um the brand because it is is playing in the super premium segment. it is is really the leader in sustainable quality, but we need to keep investing in this sustainability and in the quality. So uh, it's really important for us to build a strong a strong communication, a strong communication that shouldn't be built on storytelling, a strong communication that should be built on storytelling. So I'm worried about what is the right story doing, what I really need to do to preserve the leadership in quality and the leadership in sustainable quality. But then how can I translate what I'm doing in the best possible empathic communications so that people can realize what we stand for. Uh, because I think is uh, if you want, there is a, a nice lesson I learned at PNG. If you want to grow, you need to win consumers' hearts and minds. It's not about us or minds, it's an end, end. You need to talk to their minds with functional benefits, but you need to talk to their hearts as well with emotional benefits. You need to be a transparent, uh, you know, authentic brand that is doing and then. Telling everyone what is doing. So these are the few highlights, like, the few elements that um, you know. I want to, um, I want
0: to work on. Yeah, it makes absolutely sense. I think it's it's very logical. You know, being balanced on the, the communication elements and then putting the customer at the center of your organization. Which, by the way, sometimes. Uh, it turns to be more like a buzzword that many organizations say but then is again it's how you do and i think again being part of png in the past i think you have a, a very good feeling how to put the customer at the center of of the organization which which is great um if i ask you christina um i mean it's fascinating Let, let's let's say you know in the in the foreground you know there are still very few CEOs, female in the world and not just in the country where you are So, and I know you, I'm sure that you have been asked these questions so many times, so I'm so sorry if I ask you to maybe repeat one of the answers that you, 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 you said before, but what does it mean for you to be a CEO, a female in a quite, you know, still very male dominated across industry environments?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a quite uh, male dominated environment. Only 3% of CEOs in Italy are affiliate CEOs. 3% is a very wow. small number. And I think it's important uh, to ask these questions uh, because one day there will not be the need to ask them anymore, but now unfortunately still, uh, still the need to yeah. ask and I, I, I feel the responsibility. I I worked really hard to achieve my professional objective. It didn't come by chance. I, I had to work very hard but I, at the end of the day it was even lucky because there are a lot of people, a lot of uh, women and also a lot of men that work hard and then they don't, uh, they don't achieve their goals. So I, I feel that I was uh, one of the lucky ones that made the professional goals we come through. And now I feel like the, uh, the responsibility to be um, a role model, of course, in my, you know, in what I can, but um, for me it's important to talk to the young students, uh, to, and it's not only to women, uh, to women and to men, because the, the female issue, the, the, the diversity, we are not going to achieve anything on our own. This is what I keep Mm -hmm. on saying. It's not uh, women that need to fight uh, to have equal opportunity. It's men and women that together need to fight uh, in order to have equal opportunities. And again, at the end of the day, uh, talent uh, is uh, skills uh, are equally important. Present in men and in women. Yeah, of the real difference is the opportunity to prove yourself. Women are given less opportunity to prove their value. And this is why women do not get uh, to break the glass ceiling uh, many, many times. Very often, we, we don't achieve our professional goals because we don't have the opportunity. So I spend really a lot of time and energy to try to fight for meritocracy. I do not believe that we need the pink or pink uh, quotas or blue quotas or anything like that. We need to have meritocracy, we need to evaluate people, people, regardless their gender, regardless their social, economic or political. You know, we need to judge people based on uh, Uh, the talents they have, what they bring to the party. And if we treat people just based on merit, I think that we solve an issue because then we ended up having gender diversity and any type of uh, of diversity. But it's not going to be an easy battle to win eh? because when you start from 3%, the, the solution is not around the corner.
0: No, no. And I think personally, I believe that, you know, all this conversa- conversation about gender diversity at the top is still taking too much time and too slow in terms of, um, as you say, we shouldn't really have even this conversation, right? That's, I think, is, I think we're going to, we'll know when we get to the point when actually we're not going to ask any more of this question because there's no need needed, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, look, many times they ask me, how can you uh, work and at the same time being a mom? And uh, I think that one day, hopefully, they will ask this question also to fathers.
0: Yes. Because
1: no one is asking to a CEO, a man CEO, or a man leader, how do you combine your role with your paternity? Everyone is asking me, how do I combine the fact that I am a CEO? with uh, be the fact that I am a mum. And this tells you a lot about the opportunity we have to be really, really, really open-minded. We are not open-minded. So far we believe that um, kids, uh, elderly people, everything is on the shoulders of the women. This is not true. When you want to have a, a kid, men and women, and they take care of the kids in the same way. And at the same time, they both have the same rights uh, to develop their careers and to enjoy their careers. Um, but again, uh, these questions unfortunately are still needed because we, we are not yet in a situation in which men and uh, women have got the same uh, rights and have got the same opportunities.
0: Yeah, well that's great. And look I'm at least in my small world, I'm very hey, I'm very proud to say, you know, I tend to have more female CEOs in this in this podcast which is, is also a way, you know, to, to give more voice to, to women and, and to to show that there is a balance, at least in many people's mind, at least in many males' minds. So well, that's great. So, Christina, I want to shift a little bit gear about you. Um, and I'm very curious about your leadership style. So if you consider yourself, right, and I'm sure that you got feedback in the past, or maybe you know already. You, I don't know. Maybe your self-awareness yeah. it's so high that you know exactly you know how to define your style. But what that style is, so 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 for people to know, okay, what is the sort of CEO Christina is, and you know how she's making impact, you know, with the with the people. So how would you describe that?
1: I would say that I am demanding. I demanding with myself. And therefore, I'm demanding with my people. I really strive to, um, I strive to try to improve every single day. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I would like my uh, team to really fight hard to improve every single day. So I think that I am quite challenging and (laughs) quite demanding. But at the same time, I think I am a caring leader. I really do care for my people. I really feel for them. And I really, really, really uh, try to give my best every single day to make uh, the right ethical decisions. So sometimes I have to make tough decisions. I think that if you are a leader, you need to make tough decisions. And you need to take them in a rational way, uh, even under pressure, always putting, you know, it aspires a decision in front of everyone, you shouldn't hide uh, from your responsibility. And one of the responsibilities is also to take tough decisions. But um, I try to take every decision, including the toughest one, with the ethical principle in mind. And I try always to take responsibility for what I decide. And I try to communicate it, uh, even the toughest decision, I try to communicate it in in the most empathic uh, way. Not because I have to, because I defeat it. Because I, I always try to decide with my mind and to communicate with my part. Sometimes I achieve my objective, sometimes I don't, but I, I really try to do my best.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, I love the fact that you said demanding, because demanding sometimes has a, you know, uh, frankly speaking, it has a little bit of negative connotation sometimes, right? Because we think demanding means dictating, means, is, you know, uh, putting too much control or showing too much power or authority. But demanding actually is a good way if, you know, done properly, you know, while, as you say, doing respectfully, you know, by being fair and with others, be ethics in your behavior. So I don't see anything particularly wrong. So I think that's the picture that you are describing.
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't think that being
0: demanding
1: is something negative because at the end of the day, the way I I, I mean demanding is... Not being uh, uh, happy with the status quo. Complacent, right? Exactly. I'm. I'm not. I don't like yeah. complacent people. I don't like to be complacent about myself. If I do 90 percent right and 10 percent wrong, I always try like to focus on what do I need to do differently to improve the 10 percent. Yes. So of course this is intense, but this is the way in which you grow. This is the way in which you develop. This is the way in which you improve. But this has nothing to do, in my mind, with uh, uh, being uh, um, hierarchical or giving orders or controlling people. I'm the opposite. I'm many hands off. Once I share with you my vision, I like to play in your field. uh, and I'm not a console leader I'm definitely and so but at the same time I want to encourage myself every day and my team every day to improve versus what we did one month ago one year ago etc.
0: And also having been part of organizations in the past they require a turnaround that clearly I'm sure has built a level of how you're demanding on on making things happen, which again to me is absolutely normal. But so I I take your point. It's a great point and and, and I hope to hear love to hear that. And um, finally on this, I think would be something very curious to ask you, Christina, is what people don't know about you as a CEO. So people see Christina You know, I mean, we didn't say at the beginning, but, you know, you are one of the most influential leaders in Italy. You have been on Forbes. So, you you know, your face is quite present, you know, at least in the Italian community and maybe even internationally. But what people don't know about being a CEO, because it's not something that you say or something people don't normally see behind, you know, behind the scene about your work.
1: That's a very tricky question. You know, I'm a very simple person and uh, I, I'm i very down-to-earth. I like a genuine, authentic relationship, also working relationship. So I never pretend. Uh, I never play a role. Uh, I try not to be arrogant, not to try. I, I'm trying not to be distant. So I'm trying to uh, show myself uh, for what I am, friends and weaknesses. Uh, I always say that I don't like to hide my feelings. I don't want to be always in control, I don't want to always look perfect, I don't want always to always look happy. Uh, so when I'm happy, I I'm happy. and when I'm sad, and sad, and there is nothing wrong with me in being a CEO and I'm interacting and sharing them. There is nothing wrong with me in being a CEO and making mistakes and admitting them. So I always like to for myself for what I am, with the plus and the minus. And back to your question before, I think my team sees it because I have no problem in admitting when I make mistakes. And I never, you know, most of the time I really even like to, to share my failures because if someone can learn uh, from my mistake or from my failure, I'm so happy that they don't need to repeat the same mistake. So I think that um, w- what you see behind the, the CEO face is uh, a quite uh, um, trustworthy, authentic uh, woman that tries her best with uh, ups and
0: downs. I love that. That that's really you know what is authenticity is about. You know, being genuine, authentic, showing emotions because we are human beings. I think you're right. That that is the. Typical misconception of CEOs is not. These individuals with a lot of power, they don't never show emotions. You know, they're like status, but that's not the case. So I, I like what you said. And by the way, I always say, admitting failures and mistakes is not a sign of weakness, but it's actually really a sign of leadership. So I, I love the fact that you embrace that sort of mentality, which is great. And um, last three quick question for a quick answer for you, Christina, and then I'll let you go, so I know you're busy. If you know we can summarize in one single learning for your amazing career do you have an idea what that learning could be one thing that you know comes to mind at the moment
1: look the most important learning is the one i was sharing before leadership is not power leadership is responsibility leadership is care you need to care about your people first and then you need to care about everything else after
0: Awesome. And on the other hand, is there anything else, anything that you would have done differently in your career? One thing, one regret, or there is no regret there?
1: Look, the regret I have as a manager, also as a human being, is that I always see the glass half empty. All right. And when you see the glass half empty, you want to improve and you get the energy to improve and yeah. to fight harder and harder, but you don't enjoy what you achieve. So if I could give an advice to the 20 years old Christina that was when I had 20 years, I really wanted to, to be able to enjoy the glass half full more than I did in my life.
0: I'm like you, hundred percent, so that is a great lesson for uh that i' I really endorse because to me it's been always the same thing it's been my challenge too so i love I love that and by the way, I think we realize that always when we are in our forties or fifties and not definitely when we are in the thirties, which is I think a problem to to feel sure. you know happy you know in what we do, so yeah, great sign last question, so what is your learning approach how much is how much is important for you learning and how you do learning
1: i try to stay in touch with the reality i spend quite a lot of time reading newspapers I always start the day reading one or two Italian newspaper and one international newspaper because this opens up my mind to what's going on from a political, social environment point of view all around the world. Then I try to attend some important congresses. I do not have a lot of time, so. I very rarely read books about, you know, when I read books, I want to read books that are completely different from what I'm doing every day. Okay, makes sense. And so when I I have got time, I try to join some congress or I try to join some online um, learning opportunity in which I hear um, really important uh, macroeconomists uh, or important uh, uh, sociologists or anthropologists. when I hear someone that is very knowledgeable in his or her field, and I'm trying to absorb as much as I can from these learning pieces, because sometimes you really need to stay in touch. No, most of the time you need to stay in touch, and reading newspapers or attending these, uh, um, let's say, congresses or any other learning opportunities is important to me.
0: Yeah, it's giving you a connection to the the reality, but also is. Uh, embracing different perspective about situations, about things that you care of, because yeah. you are, well, that's what you look like.
1: Yeah, at. just a couple of days ago, I was um, listening to a guru of artificial intelligence. You know, I'm not an expert in that field, but I was fascinated, because for one hour, it was only one hour, I could focus on what he was saying, is a guru from the Silicon Valley, of course, and he was extremely knowledgeable and extremely inspiring, and he gave me vision, he gave me a lot of questions, not only answers, but a lot of questions of what artificial intelligence is about, and definitely, I ended up that hour richer and full of insights and ideas that I want to go and explore even further. So listening to the gurus of the different fields uh, is a way for me to keep in touch and also to uh, become more curious about one area or the other.
0: Love that. Wonderful. So Christina, where people should go if they want to find out more about you and your company?
1: There are plenty of opportunities <laughs> to get to know Ili better, uh, especially if there is also a website uh, saying everything about, uh, about the company. And with regard to me, I, I don't think that people are interested in, in myself, but I, anyhow, I'm trying to share my point of view on LinkedIn and on Instagram. Um, I was very really, um, skeptical. I didn't want to honestly become a social manager as they are called right. today. But then during the COVID, I understood that this was the only way for me to communicate to my team and the stakeholders I was trying to manage. And I ended up being in a nice community on LinkedIn and on Instagram. I I you know, I don't post very often because again I do not have time. And I write you know, myself I write what I post and so I don't have a lot of time to do it. But when I do it, it's very nice because then you uh, you read the answer people write to you uh, and you need to be the community of exchange and this is uh, this is nice this is rewarding and uh, it's also a way to really openly share what you think what you believe uh, is uh, is the right or wrong way to do business and to interpret your role as a CEO.
0: Yeah. And again, I endorse what you're saying. I mean, I'm, uh, we met on LinkedIn and because the the quality of your post has been always very high. And sometimes, you know, CEOs, they tend to over promote their organizations. I mean, you're bringing your own perspective, which I think is something valuable. And I, I kindly ask you to keep doing it because that is a great way for people to also to connect more and better with you and your company. So that's, that's, my suggestion to the audience: Follow Christina because that that's really someone to to follow on on LinkedIn. Christina, so thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, a fascinating conversation. I really like you know your openness, and thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Thank you very much for the invite. Thank you very much for this uh, open conversation. Grazie.